0: Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again! No!
1: quick the tracks it, don't know, long we over, oh, what a gun, what a gun! Oh! 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 It! It's Lucius McCulloch, saved it in! Barry Ferguson does this again, and it's there! On the This is The Hamden Roar with me, Andy Barge. This week's guest had to wait patiently before getting a sustained run in the Scotland side, but the striker went on to score an impressive seven goals in 26 caps. I sat down with Billy Dodds to look back on the defining moments of his international career. Billy, welcome to The Hamden Roar. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Loads to chat about. Let's go back to the very beginning though with your childhood and how Scotland was involved in that. You were born in the late 60s, so I suppose your earliest memories of Scotland would have been maybe the 78 or 82 World Cup?
0: Yeah, I, and I was always a uh, Scotland fan. The um, like to say, growing up, and it was, Dalglisha was my biggest uh, influence and uh, I was idolised him just the way he played, because I was, I'm not going to say I was very similar, I nearly did there, <laughs> but um, I just looked at him and thought, he plays the same... Even though I was young, I knew what I was about, starting to play boys' club football, and it was always the Greece that I always looked up to.
1: What are your, well, I suppose, best memories then of Scotland Grunt, because they were successful back at that time?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's amazing when you watch some of the the, the goals and the games. It was, I mean, it was some, some great games. The one that sticks out is... Um, they played the game at Liverpool and it was I think it was Don Masson that scored and they the, just the sway yeah. the, the Scotland fans coming down they went 2-0 to qualify that was the days when they were qualifying and they always seemed to do it but those kind of memories stick out Joe Jordan's headers a uh, header uh, as well there's, there's there's loads of games but then it was Scotland taking over stadiums that's what they did Wembley going on the pitch growing up as a young lad seeing all that happen it, it's not right but it (laughs) captures you if you know what I mean so it was just uh, again uh, Dalgleish scoring a goal through Ray Clemencey's legs uh, the Scotland v England game Uh, it was just there were so many occasions where it it just gripped you and you all as as a youngster growing up all you want to do is play football but then the thing that gets you next is get a club but you want to play for your country and that's what we all started out wanting to do and you could picture yourself scoring a goal like Douglas through the legs, yeah. and it was the only enemy, Scotland v England. That's the kind of things that were going through in my mind. I would love to do that.
1: So, was that a realistic ambition for you then when you went down to Chelsea and started to progress with your youth career?
0: Yeah, I think you think things like that because you're thinking, right, okay, I signed s form for Kilmarnock first, managed to get out of that to sign for Chelsea. Then I did well the first couple of years and got a professional contract as well, and then you're thinking, Right, my career's kicked off. I think it's a mistake young boys make now when they get a club. They think we've made it. Right, but you're only starting out. Yeah, you've got so many parts of your career you've still got to go. But then you're thinking, you do think you do have dreams. You, you think of things like you think, right, okay, now it's time to do as well as I can at a club. See how my career goes, and if it if it takes off or does well, of course that that is the ultimate goal to play for your country. And that I had that when I I went. As a 16-year-old boy from Ayrshire down to Chelsea Did you speak to Roxburgh at all when you were down at that part of the world? I never it was funny I was a, a late developer so I had never played for any generation of Scotland teams whether it was 16s 17s 18s under 21s at the time uh, National team. I mean, I had nothing to do with the Scotland up so I came into the Scotland up right. pretty late. So, so, you never played for the 21s? Nothing. No. Nothing at all. Not even got a, a sniff of it. No, so not even close, well. Wow. No, just it was my club career that got me going, and how when I went to Chelsea, and I, I was top goal scorer, and then they knew at the time they had to get me out to get first team football, and it was Ian Porterfield that did a deal with Gordon Wallace at Dundee that saw me get my. I mean, I'd made my debut at 17 for Chelsea but that was my real <laughs> start up to Dundee 50 grand and 50% of any future transfer fee um, so that was me starting out my career really when I although it was Chelsea my professional career started out at Dundee when I was 19
1: Were you itching to get involved though at that stage back in the early 90s?
0: What, at club level? No, or at, at national level, level? Uh, Yeah, but then where I, I then went to Dundee and started doing pretty well there And then I got my move to St Johnson and it just spiralled from there. And then when you get all these moves, you get to a part of your career where you're thinking, if I do well and get a bigger club and it eventually came at Aberdeen, you start thinking then, maybe I'll get a chance at international level.
1: Your debut came for Scotland when you were at Aberdeen. Um, Latvia away. Can you talk me through that, how it felt to, first of all, be called up and then make it onto the pitch?
0: Yeah, it was uh, proud. Everybody will use the word proud and, and it's relative to the way I felt at the time and I thought, brilliant, what an honour that is just want to go on the pitch now I knew you had to. I knew they were struggling with injuries going to Latvia but I knew you also had to do an, a, an apprenticeship under Craig Brown you'd have to sit in the stand, you'd have to mm-hmm. travel with squads you'd have to be on the bench then you would get your game time but they were struggling in this particular game for uh, injuries and I thought, right I'm playing really well at club level got my big breakthrough what an opportunity just get me on that pitch that's all I was thinking in Latvia and it was scary because I was sub and I remember some of the heroes at the time who were out in the pitch Gary McAllister and the likes um, and I come out and notoriously it's a lot of Aberdeen fans that follow Scotland and they were all singing my name <laughs> and sort of, it was about 2,000 at the game in Latvia and they are all singing one Billy Dodds and Fantastic. I'm thinking how's that happening I'm not even starting I've never <laughs> even kicked a ball for Scotland but they are all singing my name and then managed to go on for half an hour and did really well in the game and uh, that's what got me my my next opportunity which was the infamous game in um, Estonia
1: That must have been so weird to be a part of Talk me through your memories of that
0: It's easy Andy because I've gone through one high and getting my first cap as a sub but then your next thought is you're asking about what stage you're at your next thought is right, full cap, let's get a start and because I'd done so well in that game and somebody I can't remember who got injured, maybe it was Dan Jackson, might be wrong with her. Um, suddenly I got my next start uh, my first start and the next game at Estonia. And then you can imagine I'm getting my first start for my country and that that game was just broadcast all over the world how for the wrong reasons, how it never went ahead and what you had to get through mentally, what Craig Brown and Alec Miller were saying to us at the time, they might turn up and the, just jump on the pitch, and you had to get through the full preparation of the warm up, and and all the boys knew. We're just looking at one and
1: there's no chance this is going ahead. What were the circumstances exactly surrounding that? Why did Estonia not bother to take the, to the
0: park? Was, uh, was, Craig Brown had been at uh, I think it was under twenty one game the night before, and we thought, well, we were meant to be playing it at night, and uh, thought these floodlights are a disgrace. We we can't play under these circumstances. Went to FIFA, they agreed, moved the kick off time. Estonia weren't happy and they refused to turn up they should have been why that game was made to be replayed I don't think anybody in Scotland will ever get it but they replayed it and uh, it didn't go too well and I wasn't in the squad by then but uh, it was a a disgrace that that game was made to be replayed Estonia just refused to turn up it doesn't matter how you want to spin it and uh, they got away with it and got got off lightly Scotland should have got three points Mm -hmm. no problem And they should have got a hefty fine but somehow was replayed and they they just come out of it scot-free
1: <laughs> it was incredible look I can't imagine anything like that really being acceptable now, ever or now I either. think they would throw them out now yeah. I really
0: do you just can't refuse to play a game that um, yeah FIFA have moved it and mm. <laughs> it's that's the way it is you play at yeah. 3 o'clock in the afternoon where it was daylight lovely country Estonia but they just say nah we're we'll not turning up just being they stubborn like yeah yeah, yeah. I I don't know there was I don't know if there's somebody high up that was able to speak in their behalf or have a have a power influence, but there was certainly something happened that 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 game was made to be replayed. I think it was in Monaco, and it was it turned out not a great game. But I, I, it's funny how fate because I got my my revenge in Estonia, and uh, then I made my first full start after that. So they probably got what they deserved and I managed
1: to <laughs> it, it was scary when I look back at how it all transpired What were your first impressions with working with Craig Brown then? What was he like as a coach?
0: Um, meticulous he was the first person who would bring in a bit of video analysis and start getting the modern side to the game and make sure you knew everything about the other team when he would go through it was every detail practically then he would go through your shape It was Paranoid about people being in stadiums And getting Aye. their plans uh, Has been documented Not long ago this about with Bale, the Leeds, Yeah, <laughs> uh, With the Leeds manager um, he, he wouldn't have let that happen Even cleaners were not allowed in Even though we weren't doing much before games But just paranoid about everything So um, good coach, meticulous Bit of modern side to him And, uh, and
1: uh, Craig was great for me And I was great for him What was it do you think that impressed him About you?
0: Well, first, a lot of people always said about Dodge is one of the hardest workers in the game, but people who really knew me, like Paul Sturrock, probably Craig Brown, a few people knew I had technique as well, technical ability, I wouldn't say I was a, a brilliant technical player, but I had a good football breath, and uh, I was at a stage in my career where, late into the Scotland set-up, as we were talking about, where I thought, eh, I'm ready, I, I know I can, you know, I've got to, mm-hmm. my mind can do the thinking, and I, I'm in a good place, scoring goals and very confident. So, people who knew me probably John Blackley, Gordon Wallace knew that I could. I was more than just a worker.
1: Okay. Well, after your debut, you had a couple of sub appearances against Belarus and started a friendly against Wales. Yeah. Then, did you feel you were becoming uh, on the verge of becoming a starter for Scotland at that point? No. <laughs> Why not? I was doing my apprenticeship again.
0: Though that uh, there was a game. Uh, what was the game you were, The two games you mentioned. The Wales was a friendly Rugby part. Remember that What was the game before that Belarus Belarus yeah. That was uh, Potodry, was it or, 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 No That was away in Belarus Anyway um, the, That was at the end of the season It was one of those Where they had a lot of call offs So I made the trip Come on as a sub For a wee while Got another cap It was That period Was all part of my apprenticeship That Craig Brown put you through You were in and dip in and out of the squads You were in the squad you pick up a cap here and there I can't remember how many caps I had by that point, but probably three, four, five, and I was just starting out mm-hmm. for my next uh, 23, 24, 25 caps.
1: Does that routine still happen in national team now, perhaps with players like Scott McTominay or Ollie Burke or David Bates, people like that?
0: Um, well, with some, I don't think it happens well enough, I've got to be quite honest. I think some people are given caps quite easily now, which is... I think that's why there's a bit, of, there's a wee bit that it's not been, it's not really been a, a stable Scotland side for a wee while. It's been testing, and, and you have to test and try to search and find players because we've not qualified for a major tournament for over twenty years. So, I, I totally get that, um, but I think there's been too many caps dished out. That would never ha- happen. Well, in maybe no occasion under Craig Brown, but you'd be made to make sure you know what the Scotland's up el- was all about.
1: Integrated properly before being given the responsibility.
0: Yeah, that's exactly the way it worked then, and and it was good. And they were qualifying then, so uh, just before then, and we were unlucky, obviously going to
1: Wembley, and nearly getting the biggest result in Scotland's history. We'll, we'll discuss that shortly. Yeah. Don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's discuss though a happier time. Your your first couple of goals for yeah. Scotland uh, against Estonia and. A European qualifier at a packed time Castle. How good did that feel?
0: Brilliant for the two reasons, because as it sticks in your throat when the Estonia game, it was my first full cap ripped yeah. away, and, and again I had forced myself in. Um, I had joined Dundee United then, and Paul I had me playing the best football in my career, and I was in a good place, and I was ready. Then you, you asked mm-hmm. me the question about being ready, and I knew if I got on, I would have an influence in the game, I was that type of determined character, and get the two goals, call it fate, call it whatever you want, against Estonia, Uh, 3-2, Craig was under pressure, having a hard time, and he said to me after that game, you saved my my job probably, but I was always always, um, respectful, and I was like, nah, don't be stupid, but I got another goal, one of my best goals for Scotland against Bosnia, and he said the same thing to me, saved my job under pressure. I just thought, no, don't be daft, that's unfair. You, you are where you are because of your ability. But uh, that's why Craig and I could always speak openly. don't know if, whether it's because he was from Ayrshire, but going back to that Tyne Castle game, that was that was me off and running with Scotland and I never really looked back for the rest of my cap
1: That Your celebrations, I've, I've watched the footage back. I was only, I was only oh, five or six years old when that game was played. I can't remember it at all, but Still I've watched it. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah, I've watched it back on YouTube and the celebrations after your goals certainly suggest it was a massive moment in your career?
0: Massive moment for Scotland as well, because it was such an important game that we had to win, but yeah, I knew mentally and just human nature that that was me, that's me, I've arrived, I come on for Ali McCoy in that game, and and I scored two good goals and we had a hand in the, the third, where I challenged the boy, I was just up for the game, um, I felt sharp, I felt strong. I, f- I felt as if I was ready to play international football. And then, after those two goals, that was me. I think I can't remember the game after that. Was it Faroe Islands? We went up to and beat one nil. Uh, you scored I against. Scored. Yeah. So I was three goals in two games, and that was me. Uh, I was. It's what yeah. happens. McCoyce was the main man for a while. Kevin Gallagher was the main man for a while. Dan Jackson was the main man. Gordon Ooh. Jury, and then it was my turn now.
1: Was it a surprise that McCoy's was still such an integral part despite not having been part of the squad for 98?
0: Not really because goal scorers you never rule them out, you might just dip them in down again and they're getting on in age but uh, knowing Coystey I roomed it with him a couple of Scotland games um, he just a quality player wasn't he It was a quality goal scorer and a wee bit like myself some people just thought all McCoy's was about was goals and there was probably a stage in his, careers where, his career where that's all he thought about I just want to score and there wasn't much more to his game but McCoy's kind of developed over the years where he wasn't a bad player either he was a top player yeah. plus he was, he's always going to score goals so yeah. that can only be important in Scotland squads
1: like you said, you you were off and running after those two games against Estonia and the Faroes. You then went away to Germany, picked up a fantastic result away from home, one 0 uh, Don Hutchison scored yeah. the winner. How do you look back on that one?
0: We had some big results with that squad, that team. Um, a lot of unsung heroes, a lot of players that people didn't think were great players were better than what people thought. And it was a real togetherness. Like say, Callum Davison, Craig Burley, myself, Don. It was big Davy Weir there was loads loads I could mention Paul Lambert I mean just a right good solid team and we knew what we were all about we knew how we played and Sturrock didn't want me to play that full game that night he only wanted an hour because I'd established myself and we had big games coming up for mm-hmm. Dundee United we were starting to challenge up the top and cup semi-finals and, and because we were playing well and that was one of my best performances in that game we, we were doing that well that Craig didn't want to change it I, I know he took a few off but Sturrock wasn't Too happy Let's just say <laughs> that That I'd ended up Staying on the full game And when I come back That Saturday and it's a learning curve And this is how Paul Sturrock Got the best out of me um, uh, Being a good professional Came back Straight down to training On the Thursday Flew on the Wednesday night After that game Straight down to training On the Thursday I was living in Aberdeen At the time Turned up at training Sturrock's like What are you doing here uh come down on a Friday played the game on a Saturday and I was horrendous I, I had legs were gone and okay. put so much into the international game and Paul Sturrock said to me and one day he didn't mince his words so he got on well but he lets you know in his subtle way he just said next time you have an international gig just turn up for 3 o'clock on a Saturday and I'm thinking what, from the Wednesday and he's like yep yeah, just turn up at 3 o'clock on a Saturday because I was at an age and I thought, never thought nothing about it. Next international game, can't remember it, but came back, thought, then he turned up? He said, just turn your legs over Thursday, Friday up in Aberdeen, uh, where you live, and then we'll see you Saturday. Next game, came back, just turned my legs over, goes out and scores a double on the Saturday. <laughs> so just realising that the travelling, had and I was at an age, I was 31, 32, it was doing me in rather than, it was a hindrance rather yeah. than a help.
1: Just good man management there. And it allows you to flourish, I suppose, on club level and international.
0: That's why I'm telling you the story that that's how people... Sometimes when you're in that wee bubble you don't see it, especially when you're a player, but sometimes when you're a coach and you see... Because Sturrock was brilliant with me, spoke to me, and um, some of the things he said was like cheeky, but just hit the right point.
1: You scored a screamer for Scotland on the way to Bosnia in September '99. left-footed outside the box. No many remember that (laughs) one, Andy, because
0: it was on Channel 5. It was
1: the best... Probably
0: one of the two best goals of my career.
1: Oh, you've answered my question. I was about to ask—is that one of the best ones you've you've put in the back of the net over your your time in football? Yeah. yeah.
0: And again, Craig. I told you already. Craig Brown said to me that goal saved his career. We were, I think we were, we had to win the game. He was under pressure. The yeah. Czechs,
1: the Czechs pulled away with that group, yeah. and it was between Scotland and Bosnia for the playoffs. So I suppose that sort of result away from home—you know what it's like these days—is yeah. massive, picking Absolutely. up three points.
0: And it was, and then the way I had a hand in the first goal should have scored, headed at the back post. Don popped it in, and then that goal because it's it, it was technically unbelievable, but and that's no me blowing smoke, that's just like because it's everything that I just didn't do. Mm-hmm. I picked up a ball and just into their half and no more, and ran at the big boy Conjuts who played for Coventry at the time skipped past him and that's no my I've got to laugh at it because sometimes I can't believe what I did with that goal and then eh, drove beat somebody else and I'm thinking I'm getting to 25 yards here what am I doing this is nosebleed for me Neil McCann who's my roommate at Rangers and my Rangers team mate said dodgy dodgy give us it and I just think yeah I'm what to give you don't worry <laughs> and I'm just about to slip it back and then I get to 20 yards and and it's sitting there and the boy backs off me and I'm thinking He's mental backing off me. Amazing the amount of thoughts go through your mind in that short yeah. space of time. And it, but this time, Neil's swearing at me, again. <laughs> it. And it's like, I can only describe it as a golf shot where it just sits up to a little bubble, and it was just a sweet spot with my left foot as well <laughs> for, for outside the box. So it's 20 yards worth a run beating people and hit a 20 yarder. And I mean, right in the left-hand top corner, nearly scraping the bar. He couldn't have placed the ball any better. And Neil's swearing at me, and then when it flies in the net and I'm turning away kidding on, I'm cool as any he's like right okay then <laughs> so that was uh, that's why it's, it was an unbelievable technical goal for me but it was one of my best goals because it's everything I would never usually do that's the best way I can explain it
1: is that the sort of thing that you can have a laugh about in the changing room the boys are asking I don't know, where did where that did come that from, come yeah. from? <laughs> of course you do
0: yeah. You're like, well, how did you do that and I'm just like I don't really know they made up, Bosnia made up my mind for me because Conjicts dived in, the next boy dived in, I skipped past him. The pitch was so bobbly in those days, in fact, it was like a bog, it was mm-hmm. bobbly, I kind of say rutted because it wasn't hard, it was like a, a quagmire. Right. And it was like, but uneven. And I'm just wagging well, it, ready? Like, <laughs> what I usually did then was hold the ball up, but I was running with it obviously face on, hold it up, lay it wide, get in the box. That was my thoughts as a player. Yep. And at that time, I'm still thinking, I'm running with it, but I'm getting it wide and then suddenly that happens, and it just flew, absolutely flew, and it was, just, it was a screamer, but there's only a handful of people, and I mean the handful, five, four or five people have said to me, you've scored one of the best Scotland goals I've ever seen, and and it is up there but nobody remembers it because no. <laughs> <laughs> Channel 5 it was on it they had the, the contracts at that time
1: not even just in a, a friendly it was an important one you know yeah, yeah. great strike an important goal exactly it's
0: not a friendly game yeah. where people are relaxing standing mm-hmm. off you it's like big game as you say try to qualify for the playoff place and, and a and a horrendous place to go surroundings The it was just over the war in Bosnia by that time just horrendous and to score a goal like that and nobody remembers
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Neil McCann there your roommate with the Rangers who else were you close to in the Scotland squad at that uh, point i was going well with most of the boys but Big Burley was my,
0: my, my roommate and down your so neck well. of the woods wasn't he down my neck of the it, it's amazing how Craig Burley and I are so similar he was, he's married to a new Cumnock girl where I come from knew the mum and dad knew her um, I was in digs with him at Chelsea I was at the same school as him Cumnock Academy uh, he goes play for Celtic I go play for Rangers. We both become pundits. Yeah. He couldn't make it up. Uh, but he was and he's over in America now and I don't speak to him too much. An odd Christmas card or whatever, yeah. but we just got on together. We yeah. we drank together, we 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 went about together, we lived together for a few years, even though he was a few years younger than me, but um, just
1: we just can kind of have it off. Just quite coincidentally parts of pretty much similar
0: yeah. Yeah, Chelsea Chelsea's young boys as well and then the digs together mm. as well Is from the same school Spooky
1: Well Burley of course was a, a regular midfield for Scotland were there any other midfielders you specifically enjoy playing in front of for service reasons and assists
0: Yeah but Big Burley was a, a top player and could play midfield but he, Craig was using him at right back which he used to always <laughs> moan about um, but he had that good an engine up and down Burley was a really good player and he could assist you've got loads you've got loads you could get through many um, Lambo was a good player in his own right wasn't he an assister but could keep it going mm-hmm. Barry Ferguson we all know about Barry although I wouldn't say Barry was a great assister but great players mm-hmm. Um McAllister I'm trying to rack my mind with a few but you usually find that Barry because at Rangers where we could link up was good because he'd roll into and he'd always be on the move to get it back he would moan and I would moan if he didn't get the ball and um Loads of, loads of good midfielders I'm probably forgetting a few but um, Neil was great for me as well although he's a wide midfielder because it's so important because I needed service I'm not going to run away from it. I'm sharp I can get on the end of things so Neil McCann was wingers were incredible for me whether it was with Scotland or uh, my, my my domestic clubs I mean people like Chelsea so I thought should have played a lot more for Rangers were just incredible Incredible we play with. Can't believe he never played more than he did. Um, but hey, that's football. But I needed wingers, and it wasn't all just a bit central midfielders. Mm-hmm. Although there was a few good ones for Scotland.
1: Well, let's discuss the playoff against England. Then there was an old firm game the week before. Paul Lambert broke his jaw in that match. Were you involved? No, I think uh, I was in the at-, at Rangers at were you, that point. I was were you still, at that point, still, still at United, so I remember that happening. Yes. Mm. Did you feel that that was a a strange decision to have those matches so close to each other that somebody should have intervened and rearranged the the Celtic Rangers game?
0: Mm, Maybe, but that could happen in any fixture. I know know there's an intensity, but injuries happen. I think you've got to accept that as part and parcel. Us in Scotland, we tend to look at reasons, negative reasons, and yeah, you're quite right to ask the question, but I think, you know injuries can happen in any games you might have lost important players from England and even domestic in Scotland out with the old firm so I I, I wouldn't be blaming obviously just the SFA which get get blamed a lot for having the fixture list and having Celtic Rangers the week before that
1: no what are your memories of the first leg of Paul Scholes of course scored a double to make it 2-0 before heading back down to Wembley did you feel that was a justified result
0: no we we should have won the game or or get something out of the game at Hampden uh, we should have won the tie overall. We, that's why the second game could, would have been one of the best results in history. We played really. I remember speaking to Kevin Keegan. He had a thing out in Bray Head, the shop for right, a while, yeah. and he said, "If you had scored the second goal, we were done. We, we were gone. Heads were gone swimming. You, you probably were the better team over the two legs, but just delighted to get there. He was, he was such a nice man and open and honest. First leg at Hamden, we took the game with them." and they hit us and they were all sucker punches and there was no better than schools at doing it twice um, in between I'd hit the crossbar as well when it came straight down which would have been one of the big that dream we were talking about earlier in the podcast where uh, you, you know Douglas scoring the goal against England that was my moment and it sailed over Seaman and he's beaten and it would have been another goal that I never scored 20 yard left foot curler just crashed straight off the barn straight onto the line and I was gutted so, and then we missed an unbelievable chance with Kevin Gallagher in that game, and then Scholes scores a second. So we, we get beat 2 nothing when probably they, when they say robbed us, but they hit us in the
1: counter attack, and they did play well, but they won 2 0. When I spoke to Craig Brown for the podcast, he said that Shearer was kept quiet by Hendry, Beckham was quiet, and the threat somehow came from Saul Campbell going yeah. down the, the right side. It's strange how it works out.
0: Yes, I think they had to do something different because. Craig being as astute as what he is, we've done our homework on them, we nullify their threats and they didn't have to kick a ball and uh, Wembley was one of the best performances. We actually were enjoying Wembley because we got go to the goal because we always said was look, we, we played well first leg, get the first goal, that's what we're playing for. If they get it, yeah, it's going to be difficult. If we get it, it's game on and when we got it and Don Header, I'm trying to nick it in just to claim it, but <laughs> uh, when we got it, we enjoyed the game, we were passing it, we, we played, there's the old phrase that Scotland fans through it, we played like Brazil, we did that night, we were keeping the ball and they were, they were like, what's happening here? And uh, we were enjoying the game, I thought it was through, 10 minutes to go, and big Tony Adams yeah. came and cleaned me, and I'm thinking, I'm through and go here, then there's, they'll never, to the day I go to my grave, I'll never forget, Christian's head, I was right behind him, i think, it's so a goal, and how, see me just threw up a hand yeah. and hit it, and then, lobbed onto the top of the net I'll never forget that because they were, they were done if we'd scored that so I've had a lot of Scotland memories and that's that's up there in my Scotland even though it's only been 26 caps and I was delighted to get my silver medal there's there's some stories throughout my Scotland <laughs> uh, adventure it's,
1: it's ifs buts, and maybes though you know anywhere else on target Daly's header it's Siemens getting nowhere no. near it it's
0: too close probably hits into the ground and it goes in slower and Trundles over the line scoffs it'll in the corner but just to head it right on the meat just it gave him a chance but he did, still didn't know too much about it, it seemed it was a great save because he's thrown up his hand and it's just it shows you how much of it because just happening in it's slow motion as it lobs onto the net
1: how, how was the mood after the first leg were you deflated it the result or buoyed yeah. by your performance?
0: Uh, I, w- I would say a bit of both but um, we knew we were unlucky I wouldn't say uh, Boyd, but we knew we were unlucky, and we knew that's what gave us belief to get that first goal. Really deflated with the, with the result because we knew it was a right kick in the teeth. We had given them a lot, we'd put our tank in, we'd played well, we'd hit the bar, missed chances. Should have been a different result, but it wasn't.
1: But it was sink or swim, how do you handle that? Would that have been maybe the most intense Hamden atmosphere you experienced in a Scotland game? <sighs> Unbelievable. Uh, they,
0: they, they always say Hamden's got no atmosphere. Any place has got atmosphere if you put the right fixture in it. Mm-hmm. They all, they talked obviously about moving to Murrayfield and the big debate over Hamden and Murrayfield. Murrayfield's similar, you're, you're away from the pitch, and if you don't if you put 10,000, 20,000 in there, you ain't getting that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But you put 60,000, 70,000, 65,000, whatever it is, it holds Murrayfield with the right fixture, it's getting atmosphere. Hamden that day, I could not hear the English national anthem. Right. As soon as he played it, I was like, wow, <laughs> for the couple of minutes it was on, the Scotland fans made the biggest noise I've ever heard, heard Hamden make. It was incredible. I had, I had tingles yeah. standing out there, and then obviously you get their national anthem, Scottish national anthem, and it was great, but it was just like, it gave you a desire, because remember remember think, they're up for it, yeah. we're up for it.
1: Was that, were you at the, the 2-2 game a couple of years ago, Griffiths? Really watched in, it. All. I think. Well, I imagine it would have maybe been similar. There's well, not sure the same at thing County at stake. As so.
0: manager, yeah, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I was at that game and I remember. Well, I remember the English Sorry, national. Sorry, I was anthem. on holiday.
0: I was on holiday that game. I watched it in a, in a, a boozer away, and I think it was Ibiza at the time. And I watched it, and uh, thought, wow, yeah. just to go and win it. Two <laughs> one, and then the sucker punch right to so end. It's always a hard luck story. How many? <laughs> when, the thing is, we. Everybody could tell that was another memory I had with Holland scoring the goal against England through the keeper's legs four mm-hmm. one, that knocked Scotland out when McCoy scored mm-hmm. against Switzerland. Yeah. So you have all those memories, but you're thinking, how many times does that happen? That can that has got to stop at some point, and, it, and it's no stopped.
1: Not yet. It's, Not it's, yet. Hard, it's hard to believe that <laughs> even it's, in you here. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've grown up without <laughs> without seeing us get there. Yeah, yeah well, you'll see us. You'll see us soon. Yeah, I, I hope so. Um, going back to the England playoff, how was the mood going down to Wembley? given the fact that Scotland were 2-0 down? It was
0: up to Craig to lift us and say the right things. Um, as I said, you used the word boy, and I said no, but it was. we knew we had a chance, slim chance, uh, deflated, yes, but we knew we were all oh, drummed into us. I remember that every kind of team talk we went into, or every bit of video analysing, or any meeting, it was always score the first goal. And uh, you'll see what will happen. And it's exactly the way it turned out. So we weren't down and out, but we had to be picked up.
1: It must have been such a boost for the first goal to come in the first half and not with 15 or 20 yeah. minutes to play and give Scotland a realistic <laughs> chance of building on that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it was It was exactly that. Would I taken it at any point, don't get me wrong, to just have a goal, but mm-hmm. to get it in the first half, you think, game on. Half-time must
1: sh- have been quite galvanising.
0: Yeah you can see you could see in their faces it and I'm not just throwing it that's just to say it you could see it in their faces all their so called world superstars they were like
1: uh oh rattled
0: panic Aye. and because they didn't play well throughout the the two legs but we battered them at Wembley and they 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 didn't really even get a touch of the ball um that's how good we were that night and we were like Phew. you could see it in them they were like fight whistle so even i would say 60 minutes
1: to go in the game they would think of a final whistle It's strange to think that a team of I mean England's calibre cal- and quality of player I mean they have the Premier League's all time leading scorer up front David Beckham Paul Scholes in midfield a strong defence and Scotland went there brave enough to take the game to them yeah. and not just kind of sit back and try and hit on the counter and it's worked out against Scotland despite the performance that it was put in
0: Uh, Probably, I would say, one of the unluckiest uh, hard luck stories Scotland have ever had, because as we've touched on, we've had so many, but that was up there with the worst because it it wasn't just sticking the knife in, it was sticking it in with a nice wee twist at the end.
1: Well, we, as we know, England won the tie 2-1. We didn't make it to Euro 2000. The qualifiers for the World Cup 2002 rolled around shortly after. You were still... Involved. One game I wanted to discuss with you is the 2 2 draw Belgium. with Belgium at Hamden. Another I,
0: one that will haunt yeah,
1: me, it? That's what I was going to say. I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm pretty sure I've heard you admit before that that's one game you'll never get over.
0: Yeah, regret. I wasn't a selfish player. In fact, it was probably the, the complete opposite of that. I was probably the most unselfish player. I liked to get my goals, but I would assist and help other people bring them into the game. But I did think, when oh, it was the way that game went, we were two 0 up, and then we were down to ten men. and Barry Ferguson, unbelievable chance to make it three. We had other chances to make it three. We missed them, and then Matt Vilment's, the previous manager, um, before Mateo scores to make it two one. But we still thought cruising. And then Craig takes us off, and they're they for a flat spot. So they're looked down and out. And I did think, By the way I'm going to get some because there was a. I wasn't playing for Rangers at that point, and I had managed to no been playing. Craig picked me because he liked me that much right. and then scored the two goals and I'm, I'm going to get a bit of kudos out of this I'm going to get you know, some good things written about me and as I say I wasn't selfish but I'm thinking right this could maybe help me yeah. where I am mentally try to get back to the Rangers team remember all the newspapers making a big thing about it at that time and then big Van Boynton it was like slow motion Craig had take me off last seconds to run down yeah. the clock um, just by the loopy cross by the loopy header and you are saying no, no that's not just happened that killed us that was a re- it's all, there's always the had luck stories but there's always one one result that kills us and that was the one in that group
1: and it was fairly early on in the group I don't think it was even no, halfway it was, yeah. through
0: we'd still to go to Belgium and yeah. beat us easily 2-0 but it wouldn't have mattered so yeah. much and we could have played for the two results in Belgium a draw as well would have probably been enough but we couldn't either
1: it's frustrating because a great double from yourself. The first one was a good near post running. Like Linley set yeah. up,
0: playing that right wing back role we <laughs> always moaned about, and uh, I managed to get across uh, Valharan that played with Celtic at the time. So that was what was spoken about mm-hmm. in the, the national press. Flicked in. It was my. It was one of my my favourite finishes. There. That was more like me. That's me. No, this yeah. Bosnia goal or, or the colour that beat David Stephen and hit the crossbar. That's me. Six yards, a wee bit of shot <laughs> it was
1: flick. It wasn't just a a simple finish, though. It was a a lovely piece of skill to be able to guide it round and into the the back post. Always, uh, since
0: I've been in coaching, I've, I've always taught my strikers when I work with them or forward-thinking players. Um, at some point, the centre half, when the ball's wide, if you can get it in your head, being a budding footballer, um, journalist as well, when the ball's wide. That centre half at some point has got to look to see when that cross is coming. As soon as he looks, you either get across him or you, you drift off him. And that's what I've always taught that's, the strikers. That's second very important. But it's, ha- it's hard, as I said to you, it's amazing how many thoughts you have in those sh- that short period of time. But that's what I've always taught people because I know at some point I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him. He's going to look to see when that cross comes. As soon as he looks, I'm gone. Right. That's how I got across for Haran that day.
1: That's really, really interesting. Um, I want to ask, I interviewed Kenny Miller uh, last month for the podcast and he said that he feels Scotland sometimes have a bit of uh, complacency playing against the the smaller nations. Now, I've always felt growing up that Scotland have struggled to cope with pressure, that the national team struggled to cope with pressure. Now, in that instance, Scotland were 2-0 up against Belgium, who who they weren't what they are now, but they were a strong outfit, 2-0 up against 10 men. Why did it crumble? What happens to the team in that instance?
0: Um, I think it's a bit of, I don't think it's it's human nature I would say in that one because when you miss your chances to make it three and kill the game um, I think you then get the human nature aspect saying right we we'll miss the chances, let's not lose any once you lose the third goal even though it's ten men you think you start to panic a bit and then you Kind of sit back and try to see it through I don't think it's anything to do with I think some what I'm trying to say to you some of the best teams in the world would have those thoughts and do that to get through certain games even though they're the best teams in the world but there's a certain stage in a game if you've not got it done and dusted you kind of naturally go back the way and let's see it through I think that's what happened to us that game playing it out again Certainly, we still look comfortable we, they had the, the we go they got the goal, had the wee go and then it all calmed and then for, for the last 15-20 minutes it was nothing and then suddenly that goal came from from, from nothing so it, it just happens sometimes nothing to do with quality, nothing it's more to do with mindset and what happens in the human nature front
1: That must have been a very flat dressing room post-match
0: Aye, I don't even think any words I really said you, know, you can start throwing things at people but Craig wasn't like that as a man anyway I I think the players knew what had happened and they were just silent there's sometimes words are better not been spoken there's sometimes you have to give a wee dig players up but in that occasion what can you say They, they didn't deserve it we deserved it they flipped it people credit them for going still going with 10 men but we missed the chances to absolutely
1: demolish them yeah to just put it to bed and make sure that they any wouldn't. comeback was yeah. never going to happen yeah. your last appearance was the Belgium away match yeah. uh, the 2-0 game you touched on a minute ago how did it come to an end between you and there was, a, there was
0: another game to be played after one or two games and I spoke to Paul Lambert about it fair enough and we knew that was as we weren't qualifying and I was old getting older I wasn't playing for my team regularly Whatever I had in my career, I was trying to go and try and keep myself going domestically for my for my club, and that's the way I was thinking. And I knew it was time for look like when I came in for Ali McCoist. It was time for me to go and for somebody else to come in, and that's the way I was thinking. And Lambo was very similar. Lambo, we spoke about it, and we both said, look, that's that's it. I'm not I'm not even going to play in the next. Craig said, look, look, still play the next games. Could have got another couple of caps, one cap, two caps. I said, no, Craig, it's better to give these boys' experience without anyway this is the time to give them that experience so all amicable natural. Was brilliant natural it was the right time yeah. it was the right time I don't have any regrets could I get another couple of caps I was never and in my head I was never making 50 right so I'd got my silver medal and it was, it's sung a treasure and uh, I was quite happy so I've got my, my 26 caps my cap that never was and my silver medal
1: that's it's certainly some hole <laughs>
0: it is because it took a few years to, to get that And uh, I I mean, there's nothing, there's no, the only regret I have with Scotland is no getting to a major final. And I was actually doing my apprenticeship because I was in the squad at Parkhead when Kevin Gallagher scored the goals, I think, against Austria. Mm -hmm we beat Austria 2-0 and we qualified and then I was I just, it just just come too quickly for me because mm-hmm. if I'd established myself more I'd have played in the final so it's one of the things that rankles with me but my full international career was yeah there was lows because we were unlucky there was some highs in it as well And I, 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 did, I really loved my, my, my th- whatever it was four years or something
1: let's quickly discuss the, the current state of play with the national team the European qualifiers start about six weeks or so the first games against Kazakhstan away Hmm. then San Marino away how are you feeling ahead of this campaign for Scotland (laughs)
0: like every Scotland fan (laughs) I've I've, I've been obviously I was at Ross County for three years but still luckily enough do work with the BBC and I've been to the international games and Willie Miller and I do them and it's the same things are happening but there's a result letting us down um, and we have to take care of that team so it's it's the way it is naturally it's like you're fully hoping, expectation, and looking forward to it, but there's a bit of trepidation in there as well. Where you think, "Oh no, where's this bad result coming from?" But it's getting easier. We did well to I did the two games, uh, Israel and Albania, the, the four games, so I've covered them all, and uh, we did well to get through that because we sh- we nearly had our, we stumbled well, over. Our had our bad result, in result. yeah. So um, and Israel and and, uh, and I did it. Mm. Um, so we had to overcome the two home games we did, which was brilliant for Alec McLeish. Just hope there's no slip-up in this new qualifying group and we handle the, the important games. Yeah, there's going to be a game where we drop points. Make sure it's a, an away game against your Belgians. Mm-hmm. We maybe have to take some for Russia, but make sure it's the right games we drop points and know the wrong games and we've got a great chance.
1: Well, the first three games, you look at them on paper, Kazakhstan, San Marino and Cyprus, Scotland, quite oh, rightly the oh, favourites... Oh, oh for those <laughs> <our laughs> three <laughs> I know but nine I, should be oh, the no. target nine points should yeah, be the target of
0: course. and I totally agree with you but I, I, that's where my trepidation comes in because is it likely we could drop hopefully not but we could we're capable of dropping two points we're capable of dropping three points with a loss, we're capable of dropping four points with two draws in the mm-hmm. one that's where my fear comes in um, but we've got a good squad together and we've got good players and they've all done their apprentices they've all got a bit of we've, we've still got a relatively inexperienced squad but we've got a good squad who have got a few games behind them now so that'll help and coming through that Albania and Israel I think will certainly help the group that group of players because they were put under pressure they had to handle it and they did um, so now, I've, I've said the two home games What the Albania game was away but uh, they had to handle it won it and then come back and beat Israel at home which I knew they would do after seeing it they were so poor out there the team um, but you have your fear. You've got it as a Scotland fan. We wouldn't be yeah. Scotland fans not unless we, ha- we, we had wasn't. that. But we had to, aye. But we have to overcome it at some point. So and we did. We sort of get through that kind of first <laughs> question mark test by getting through the group after the bad result in Israel. Can we now carry that on and make sure it doesn't happen against your Kazakhstans your Cypruses,
1: mm-hmm. somewhere? So um, I'm looking forward to it again. Um, you said to you think the squad's in, in good shape at the moment The biggest decision and the biggest point of debate I think between fans and pundits and media Has been how does McLeish set the team up The two options are the three at the back Or the four at the back Now Scotland played four at the back In the two wins against Albania and Israel Just in October or November there Is that the, the best way you think going forward?
0: Yeah I, I've had the debate myself on radio And uh, listen there's no right system But I just thought that system was not suiting the personnel. I think your personnel, as being in the coaching game now, should dictate your system. Know your system dictate to your personnel. And I felt as if that's where Scotland was and we're we'll trying to force and people Now, you get one where you maybe move one position and you think you get away with it. But I felt as if we had three or four who were Try to fit them into a position that wasn't really their natural position and I thought it was affecting Scotland and as soon as the big man fair play him you can be stubborn and your selection said, no no this is the way I'm going once he moved it and he, he was willing to test it and he said he was just experimenting but it was vital games he was experimenting in Big Alec um, once he moved it he got a few results and got through it so I just felt there was too many playing out of position I, I think you could have said Donald playing as a wing back Um Ryan Fraser At times Wasn't in the right position Know mm-hmm. where he was Playing for mm-hmm. Bournemouth But he can play Wing back or winger But I think it was A lot to do as a wing back right. um, If he played And then Tierney the Tierney And the Robertson situation Where I still I, Going forward If we go with the four five one, Whatever it was 4 one we will just say yeah. it Whatever you want to call it I still don't I'm still not so sure that playing maybe tiering that left back Andy Robertson in front of him is the way to go either because it's, it's no natural I always say 20 yards in a pitch is quite a lot because you can be running into 20 yards as Andy Robertson does f- for Liverpool or you can be standing waiting on it and having to then beat men I don't think Robertson's that's his natural game like beating men yeah and he's he's no natural at getting it in somebody's on him. He's he's good at timing the runs and whether it's running off the ball or, or running into space, he's brilliant at that. And I'm not so sure of what I might be wrong. And that's what football's all about. But at the time I just felt felt as if it was those four positions we're talking about all getting forced into a team. And it it just, you'd see it wasn't working, and the boys were looking about. And Andy Robertson, especially in Israel, wasn't sure what to do, and didn't he look sure as if he had to go to the ball or when to go, when to sit? And I, from a coaching perspective, I was looking at things like that and I'm thinking, whoa. It just, it was, yeah. it was brave reality yeah. to, to then say, right, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to change it. And not just because he's bound to peer pressure, just because it was the right thing to do.
1: I think so too. Well, Billy. Time up, unfortunately, but that's been brilliant chatting to you, looking back at your career. Certainly, plenty of great moments. So, appreciate our time and thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, welcome. Sports Social Podcast Network.